Welcome to Reckoning. My name is Ingrid, and I'm starting this podcast to share open and honest discussions about our experiences with death. I'm hoping that as a culture, we can grow to talk about it without it being feared as a heavy, scary, and overwhelming topic. Let's talk about it more, get a little more comfortable with it, wrestle and wonder and ask questions. Let's reckon with it. We all have to deal with this aspect of life. We will lose everyone we know, and we ourselves will die. So how can we face this reality with eyes more open, with some grace, humility, understanding, and even appreciation? How can we embrace this aspect of being a human and use it as a way to grow, learn, and expand? The goal of this podcast is to turn toward these shared experiences, using our stories and collective wisdom to gain some courage and strength and skill to face it. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to and have these conversations with me. Thanks for being willing to reckon with the topic of death and dying. This episode, I interview Mark, who I met when I was doing an internship at a local social services agency, where Mark works, doing economic empowerment work. Mark and I discovered that we share an affinity for language and poetry and homemade food. In this conversation, he shares a story about losing his wife, Christine, very suddenly, and also about the recent experience of losing her dog, Penny, which of course brings up compounded and complex grief and a fresh reminder of that loss. I think it's really brave of Mark to share this story on this podcast because the loss of a spouse at a young age is such a rare and disorienting experience to go through. I think we generate some rich discussion in which we explore some of the nuance of how death can shape us and change our lives in unexpected ways. He also manages to bring a little bit of humor and silliness in, which is not always an easy feat. My name is Mark Oliver. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yes, we've never met before. (laughs) First time. Um, no, so I know you from when I did an internship at the agency where you work. Right, at the same place. Yeah. Right, right. So I know that we're both share an, an interest in, yeah, serving the community and yeah. taking care of people. Yeah. So, and I feel like we've talked about this project before, this podcast, and so I'm glad that you're willing to share your story a little bit. It's my pleasure. It really is. Uh, I've listened to it quite a bit. I'm, I've been really impressed by your podcast, and, and I've, I've gained a lot from listening to it. I'm pretty skeptical that I'll be able to contribute on the same level, because I'm kind of... One thing you should know about me is that I tend to make light of things. I, I make stupid little jokes on a regular basis. Great. And I'm trying really hard not to do that, but they tend to come out. Well, we will... Yeah, it's good to have that warning for our listeners. <laughs> That you might make light of, of things. Yeah, of for death. example, any, anything. 
Gotcha. Well, um, yeah, that is okay. I feel like it's. <laughs> I feel like it's. Oh, good. I feel like it's great for us to be able to laugh at, laugh at things and sure, you know, and not have it always just be like death is scary and hard, but also that it's. What is that too? Sure. So it's probably a coping mechanism on some right. level, but it's also just I don't know. It's just a way to handle things. Perhaps a dysfunctional way. I'll, I'll definitely admit that. But. Well, yeah. Everyone's got their own way of processing and, and dealing being dysfunctional. with. Dysfunctional. Yeah. Everyone's dysfunctional in their own special way. <laughs> Very true. Yes. Very true. Um, well, so Mark, I would love if you wouldn't mind just sharing a bit of background of like the specific loss that you want to share about, and okay. maybe you just yeah, kind of tell us that story a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, I, this is the only thing I really gave thought to prior to coming here because mm -hmm. I wanted to come with an unblemished, like, no preconceptions about what I was going to talk about. But there are a lot of deaths that I could pick from, and they've all been instructional, I think, to me. Like, um, they've all been very foundational in the way I think about death. And so I may jump around. From one death to another death. Great. Uh, to refer to a past lesson or something. But there was one in particular that was really significant. Mm -hmm. um, that was uh, the loss of my my partner. My wife died about seven years ago. Of um, uh, Had a really sudden brain bleed. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and basically went to the hospital and was brain dead by the mm. time by the time she got there and that was a foundational moment my understanding of mm. death and loss and grief uh, for sure yeah yeah especially that like sudden nature of things or to find yourself yeah suddenly faced with some decisions to make yeah and maybe you've like made decisions with her you know, for right. all these years, and then suddenly, yeah, you have to make them on her behalf. Right. Yeah, yeah definitely. There was a living will involved, and, and um, there was a plan. Of course, mm -hmm. it actually was planned for that, so I'm very grateful for that mm -hmm. fact, because it would have been far more chaotic and painful without having that legal documentation in place and instructional documentation. In fact, she had a very strong opinion about her own death um, and talked about it quite a bit. Okay. And it's like she said, this is my will. And there was a special codicil in her will that um, she had a strong and one might say somewhat strange disapproval, level of disapproval with the funeral industry. Like she okay. hated funerals hmm. um, and didn't want. So there was a specific thing in her will that said, under no circumstances is anyone to buy a coffin. Hmm. For example, I have to be disposed of in the least costly way possible. Hmm. That was a specific requirement in her will based on her reading and her own interests. Um, that I honored, 
at the time. Yeah. Um, in fact, her brother and I spent some time after her death researching who was the cheapest cremation service mm-hmm. in the city in the Portland metro area. Mm-hmm. And um, found a place in Milwaukee. It cost about 130 bucks for her to be cremated. And, uh, okay. No urn, just a little cardboard box. Wow. Um, that, I feel like that's a pretty rare thing for someone to yeah. just have that specific or clear of a vision. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and also, as you say, like, great, right? That, like, that yeah. took a lot of decision-making off of your shoulders or I feel like this is where my biases come out in these conversations is like, I totally am on board and agree with her. Like, yeah. she sounds like a smart lady. I'm, I... Um, the funeral, like industry, or as some people have meant, like named it, it's like the death industrial complex. Yeah, you know, it's like they profit off of people's grief and mourning. You know, like if you really love them, you should get this thirteen thousand dollar box that we're going to put in the ground and you'll never see again. You know, things like that that I think are, um, and and other people might have different opinions about that, and I, you know. I respect that too, but I just feel like, yeah, that's where I do too. But I totally see where it's just not something I personally thought about Mm -hmm. before communicating with her about this. Right. 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 So she turned me on to reading Mm -hmm. that led in a certain direction. There was a book called how we die. Mm -hmm. That was very, um, that contributed to to her opinions Mm -hmm. on the topic and Mm -hmm. also mine. Yeah. Um, You've probably read that. Actually, I read it because you recommended it to me. I remember talking about it with you. That's right. Yeah. Um, And she also wanted um, her organs to be donated to the extent that that was possible. Um, And it actually would be interesting. Maybe I can dig up this document because it was several paragraphs of like very specific things that she did not want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that were all related to the commercial use of her body, but not necessarily to organ donation. So organ donation was totally cool. So at the time, um, her kidneys were donated and um, corneas Mm. um, and even her, and her liver was actually donated for research. Wow. Um, for because she was she actually died as a secondary result of alcoholism mm. and there was scientific value mm. looking at her liver wow. um, it was alcoholic liver failure which mm-hmm. caused the sudden bleed in her gotcha. brain yeah was there any like relief or meaning for you in knowing that like parts of her body were used to help other people or yeah for future research like was that yeah i mean i remember thinking yeah i mean it wasn't something i thought about extensively but i do recall um the organ donation nonprofit that was involved in in handling that that transfer was they gave you the option to reach out and you could actually talk to one of the people that had been that had her kidney yeah um, and they were people all over the United States. They were in different locations. I remember one was a 
was a guy in his 50s who was a plumber, hmm. I think in Kentucky, hmm. I believe, was one of the kidney recipients. Um, I never opted to have those conversations with people. Like There was a way I could have opted into, and if they opted in as well, we could be put in contact with each other. And I just didn't see the significance. That, that had no meaning to me. Sure. So it's like, hey, you got my wife's kidney. Right. That's wonderful. Right, right. I mean, it, 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 it is wonderful that this person had a second chance to whatever caused them to need a kidney. Mm-hmm. Then they didn't need it anymore. That's great. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't so much like I didn't feel that part of her was alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt mm-hmm. like she was dead, really. Yeah. And that the yeah, whole yeah. thing was um, over in, yeah. the sen- in that sense. I will say one of the things that we that the pl- all of the planning did not prepare me for mm. was the fact that I had really crappy uh, medical insurance mm. at the time, and um, there was an out-of-pocket expense like organ donation, organ harvesting, uh, all of this was not covered by my insurance at mm. the time. So it ended up costing thousands of dollars oh, to, no. to do this kind of out of the blue. Like I didn't see that. I never questioned it because mm-hmm. it was what it was, what was written. It right. was what it was supposed to happen, but it ended up costing a lot of money Wow! Um, and kind of pissed me off yeah. <laughs> a little bit. I was really angry about that. Yeah. Um, but it was employer-related medical care, like mm. HMO, garbage, right. garbage plan. I mean, that's distressing. Yeah. You know, that like yeah. you make a choice that is already difficult, but you hope is like, you know, putting some good out in the world and then on top of it then to be billed for that. Regardless of even just the fact that like to get any kind of a bill after somebody that you love dies in the hospital it just feels like terrible insult to injury yeah yeah and just receiving it wasn't just a bill you would get for the next i don't know eight to 12 months Mm. there would be another bill that came floating in like oh we forgot about this little detail or the the medical billing system right flaws of that system I'm, I'm not really talking about the death. I'm, I'm talking more about the flaws in the medical billing system. Like that really pissed me off. Yeah. Afterwards. No, that's, I mean, it's all ties in, right? Like that. Yeah. And especially, I feel like I've gotten so many of those where it's like, you get a thing. It's like, this is not a bill. And then you're like, what is this for then? <laughs> this is you're, kind of a bill. Yeah. This really isn't a bill. Totally. This is a bill. This is a bill and it's overdue now, even though you didn't realize it, you know, just right. stuff like that. And, and so it makes sense to me that that would be like, painful to you know be grieving and then you keep getting reminders of that time that you were in the hospital and you know just like in that reminder that that yeah you know that she's not there and yeah yeah it's just sort of an insult to injury thing that i i guess previously i'd never had any medical bills Mm. to speak of i never had to pay large amounts of money to a hospital chain Mm. but what i've what i have had to do is talk people through medical billing issues that Mm -hmm. were perhaps uninsured uncovered by medical insurance and then had a life-threatening event of some kind and ended up with a hundred thousand dollars in debt Mm -hmm. and so to actually experience it on a much smaller level um out of the blue 
was instructional to me. Yeah. Right. Suddenly this thing that you've been doing for work is mm-hmm. happening to you personally. Yeah. And yeah. Do you feel like that, um, like opened a new level of, I don't know. What do you, what do you mean by instructional? Like what, what do you feel like you learned or like that, that taught you or. Well, I guess I, I, to a certain degree, I, I, I saw myself as above medical bills. Mm. Um, and didn't really understand the terms of my work-related health insurance plan, you know, like, so all of the, all of the things that I guess would be best practices were not something I was doing mm-hmm. at the time, like reading the details of the health plan, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. Um, which, you know, the, all that is really is just sort of uh, a bunch of gross detail that, like you said, in in the case of a traumatic event, like the death of a spouse, that just kind of angers you mm-hmm. or angers, right. potentially angers somebody right, right. Um, who's faced with that. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I'm, I'm a strong proponent of uh, better health coverage for people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um. I'm curious if you don't mind sharing a little bit about, um, I, I personally don't know that many people that have lost a wife or a husband or a partner or a spouse. I feel like that's not super common. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's one of those things that it's like, it's more common than we think and people don't talk about it, but it probably is less common the younger you are. I think like, yeah, that that's probably a factor. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair question. Like, it was a very specific, specific type of loss compared to other losses. Right, I right. Think. Yeah. Um, and it was one that was just big. It was yeah. huge, a huge mm. thing. In fact, my mother died a few months after my mm. wife. And um, the two were sort of tied together in my mind. Mm-hmm. But that was like... You know, she was older. She was in her seventies, and right. she had cancer. It wasn't out of the blue. It was this this whole thing that I spent very little time processing mm. compared to the one that had happened a few months before that, which was this huge presence for years and years and years, and still is to a certain degree in my life today. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, fair to talk about that. But we were together for eighteen years. Mm, wow. And then suddenly weren't. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh it was a big it's a big change. Yes. A big dramatic big, huge dramatic thing that mm. and traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. Like um basically, yeah, there 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 the, the sequence of events that happened on that um, that started with her um, her brain shutting off mm-hmm. was is just sort of indelibly buried in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like um, like I remember every every detail mm-hmm. and every um, and that's weird. Like there's not yeah. a whole lot of things that happened. This was seven years ago now yeah. that um, I can't think of anything else in my life that's so. Mm-hmm 
just sort of burned into the hard drive of my feeble mind Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like it's uh i remember every every little detail yeah i remember her saying for like 48 hours before her brain shut off that she had a headache Mm. and that she was taking aspirin which did exacerbate the Mm. bleeding situation and then she said, uh, at one point, I need to go to the hospital. And then she had a seizure. Mm. And that was basically the last words that she ever spoke. Oh, and um, yeah. so got her to the hospital and um, she was brain dead while, while we were there. And um, I was, uh, boy, boy, that was pretty, I was pretty, um mm. So I called both of her brothers. She has two brothers, um, one uh, both of whom live outside of Oregon. One lived in Montana at the time. Well, they both still live in the same place. One was in Massachusetts. One was in Montana. They both came out immediately, and they um, they were hugely helpful to me hugely hugely helpful they i never could have i don't know what it would have been a very different experience without them we mm-hmm. spent um we spent a week dealing with this uh just the practicalities of this and they they pitched in they they really helped and mm-hmm. they were both devastated there was yeah. a little well, actually um she was the middle Mm. So she had a younger brother and an older brother. Mm. And, um, and we bonded as well. Like mm-hmm. I, um, I hated those guys. No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. I really liked them both. Mm-hmm. I was really close mm-hmm. to them. But um, we, we became brothers as a result of this yeah. in a very real way. And yeah. we acknowledge that to this day. Like I still, I just went and spent a holiday with Mm. with uh, one of them and, and I've done that with the other one and um, their their family in a very powerful way yeah um, and I just want to I just want to name that like what you went through was a deeply traumatic experience it sounds like you know yeah. you even use those words yourself like yeah it was to just suddenly be thrust into a hospital and yeah. with your wife this person that you've known for 18 years is suddenly like brain dead and and then you know and then yeah you're calling family members and they're rushing out like that's just yeah it's awful it's the worst nightmare when you were living it you know right but what was interesting about that was that i mean the three of us were with her it wasn't a trump trauma hospital where she was so um they didn't (laughs) There weren't facilities to handle the situation, mm. so we had to basically be there for 48 hours mm. before they could set up because uh, she had a do not resuscitate right, okay. order, and um, that couldn't happen quickly mm-hmm. under the circumstances of this hospital. So we were there for basically, we were there for 48 hours. Wow. With her in a room, the three of us her two brothers and myself, and we kind of took terms. Um, it was interesting because in that time, they would tell stories about her mm. as a little girl or as 
and there were a lot of stories. She was uh, she was a character. Mm. She was a person. <laughs> yeah, she was quite uh, quite funny. Um, uh, very very funny. Mm. Very strong. Very opinionated. Very um, strong willed. Um, there were a lot of stories that could be had from mm-hmm. her. And one of her best friends lives in Portland. So he came also. And he was also really helpful because we had a dog at the time and he would go take care of the dog mm-hmm. so I could stay in the hospital. Um, but he and my wife had been friends since they were 18. Like they'd met their first day in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, as undergraduates and at the time she was 46 so they'd known each other for almost 30 years Mm. and um, so all of us sat around and we talked about her Mm. Um, and then one of us would break down in tears Mm. you know just like overcome with uh, with the sadness or the trauma of the situation Mm. and then someone else would start telling stories and there was a lot of laughter. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't yeah. all crying. It was, um, cause there were a lot of funny stories about her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would definitely have to say that she was a character. That's yeah. the word that I would use yeah. for her. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that time was really important that, yeah. that those 48 hours, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, it was kind of yeah. excruciating. Um, it did add to the expense of the oh, whole thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was ICU time right. uh, for forty eight hours. Um, worth worth it, though. Wow. I wouldn't. I th- think it was useful to yeah. just sit there with people that loved her and talk. Yeah. Talk about her. Yeah, 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 yeah. With her in the room, mm-hmm. still. Now, there was also the the time when they could uh, take her off life support. Mm-hmm. And that was um, that was something I recently had to put a dog to sleep um, this summer. In fact, it was her dog. Yeah. And I was really that was the first time I put a dog down, or I I didn't do it. Mm, the sure. vet did it. Like <laughs> I didn't actually inject her with anything. Right. <laughs> didn't try the bleach thing. Um. But I remember thinking I was a little nervous about putting the mm. dog down, right. even though it's probably the fifth dog or slash cat that, right. that I've had to have euthanized. Um, it was the first time since mm. basically pulling the plug on my wife mm. that that um, and that thought came up a lot because mm. um, that's that's a moment that just burned right into my brain there was uh um i guess all of this is but we were in the room with her and and chose music to play in the room and mm-hmm. it was um kind of a non-specific request but it was something that christine liked it was uh she was a pianist mm-hmm. and it was uh frederic chopin mm-hmm. um polonaise or something i don't remember what they were just playing a bunch of Chopin mm. music. I don't remember exactly what they did to take her off life support. Like that, that detail is gone. But whatever it was, they stopped her heart. They stopped the support that kept her heart beating. Mm-hmm. And um, and they said, "You'll notice that you know her 
heartbeat will start to slow. Mm. And both of her brothers were in the room with me. Mm. And the whole time, I think it took about 45 minutes, and I just... Mm. said goodbyes to her for 45 minutes. And... Uh, and... Uh, and she died. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty intense. Yeah. Kissed her goodbye, you know, like that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, that was the whole thing. So, yeah, it was a pretty sad yeah. um, moment. significant I guess right. in that I felt it felt like we were doing the right thing every step of the way like I didn't question what we were doing yeah um, I felt um, like we were handling it right yeah. we were respecting her respecting her wishes and, and um, showing her how much we loved her you know and I really don't think on any level she was cognizant of us even in the room for those 48 hours mm. like i don't i think she was brain dead mm. so that was kind of weird um um but it was helpful for us yeah for the three of us and and four of us to be able to process her, her loss i think yeah. um and to do so with so much humor um, because that's something that she would have valued mm -hmm. and expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she loved both of her brothers very much. Mm -hmm. They were all very tight knit. I am so sorry for your loss. You know, I know that those are like, like what do, what do we say? But like, I truly am sorry that you lost your wife. You know, that is. Um, Thanks not fair well yeah there's probably nothing fair about it but it's natural yeah like i don't now i mean it's seven years later um i feel like i learned a lot both from our time together and our time after she was gone mm -hmm. or my time after she was gone yeah, a hugely formative event that mm -hmm. um, has really changed me. Mm -hmm. And it is part of who I am. Mm -hmm. I also don't think, I mean, to a certain degree, she's still with me in very real ways. Like, uh, there were lessons I learned from being with her that will forever be part of who I am. Mm -hmm. I couldn't cook before I met mm -hmm. her. And that's now something that I'm obsessed with mm -hmm. really like I cook all of my meals and very feel feel very strongly about cooking mm -hmm. um, 
and that would have been the case. This is just a simple day to day life thing that um, I couldn't really do before I knew her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just so much. There's a lot that uh, goes into spending 18 years with somebody. Yeah. And then seven years processing their loss also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a huge thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Impossible to not be changed, both by that time together. Right. And impossible to not be changed by the right that loss. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably the case with every every loss. Some of them are less significant. Like I, I, um, I think to the first time I ever saw someone die, the first time actually I didn't see the person die, I found mm. somebody who was dead. Mm. And it was a friend's mother who died mm. in the bathroom. Like we were pretty wow. young and we walked in and the bathroom door was blocked and she mm. was dead on the floor wow. and had been for a couple of days. Wow. And uh, that was different. Right, right. We were really young. We were little kids, like 13 years old. But yeah, so very different. Very different experience. Experience, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, and that is, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think all of our different experiences with death can vary so widely within our own personal witnessings, you know. It's like there can be really traumatic like horrifying, grief-filled, you know, like unexpected, awful losses. And there can be like sweet and peaceful and, you know, or magical or, you know, there's like so many different ways that like death can yeah. can touch us, you know. It can be like someone that we're like, oh, you know, goodbye and I'm so grateful to you. And, and it can also just be like, I am not ready to let you go yet, you know. It's right. just... It can be all of those things. Um, and I, I'm curious, I would love for you to share the story of your dog, Penny, a little bit, because I feel like that's a fascinating, specific yeah. like scenario. I've heard a little bit about it from you, but um, just like I, about how, like, what Penny ate in your household and like how that might have tied into some of your grief, oh, too. Yeah, that was definitely the least pleasant part of my wife. Um, no, that was, that was something that, uh, so the dog was essentially my wife's dog. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've said already, but your wife's name is Christine. Yes. And your dog's name is Penny. Yeah. Not the other way around. Right. <laughs> was not married to penny no (laughs) (laughs) that was illegal in oregon at the time and still is great (laughs) should be as far as i can (laughs) anyways um yeah so the dog uh was used to constant attention from her and also was grieving her Mm. uh, her loss yeah and um yeah it made things really difficult because uh she had a lot of anxiety over her absence, over Christine's absence, mm-hmm. and um, was just trashing the house. Like she was uh, uh, eating books, mm-hmm. uh, chewing them up. In fact, that book, How We Die, 
she shredded it oh my God. and left it in a pile on my carpet. I remember seeing, and it, Christine monogrammed all of her books. Mm. She wrote her name, and it was like Christine Mack, cover torn off, laying oh my in the God. middle of my carpet. Just I like that image and the and like the poetic nature and the irony yeah. and the grief. Like that is just, it's just yeah. unbelievable that like. I took a picture of it. Yeah. I actually still have that picture. I it's insane. would love to see that photo because that I is. I can find it. Yeah. That's pretty unbelievable. I know. You it know. Was pre- it was pretty unbelievable. Yeah. There was also one of the other ones was uh, was a dog training book that was called Inside of a Dog. <laughs> and most of the book was probably Inside the Dog. Wow. Like, oh, like I it love was it. another book that I found. So I she went and just destroyed books, um, <laughs> which led to a mess. So I'd have yeah. this long, hard day at work, and then I'd come home and have to, like, shovel right. destroyed books. And eventually we got past that phase, but it was a really rough. Right. Uh, it was didn't make the recent loss of a spouse easier, right, I right. would say. <laughs> right. um, it got better. Um, she got used to not having Christine around, yeah. um, but it was she was definitely grieving too. It mm. was uh, mm. it was rough. Yeah, it was strange. Dogs grieve in more destructive ways right, right. than humans. And then, and then, so for then Penny to just recently die or be yeah, down, just a couple and, months ago. And you were talking about that parallel of like, yeah, you know, watching a death process that's like that there's a, a specific intention and a time to yeah. it, you know, it's, um, right. This was more like the dog had, uh, uh, cancer, right. had, a, had a lung tumor and was beginning to show signs of difficulty breathing and to prevent discomfort. It was time to euthanize her, right. um, in the opinion of both myself and the veterinarian. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we did that and it was emotional. I mean, it was, you know, I, I cried. Yeah. I think I've every animal I've had euthanized, I've cried. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I mean, it's just there's a lot there with those mm-hmm. little people. They're with us for day in, day out, for years of yeah. our lives. Definitely. Seeing our worst and our least polished sides and yeah. Well, sometimes we see their least polished sides well, too. That I mean, that is true. In the case of Penny, yeah, <laughs> it was definitely a least polished side. Well, and I love. I feel like you've shared that like it seemed like her death was imminent a while ago, and then you were like started feeding her more treats and stuff. Oh yeah, and I kind of got. We the just sense... went hospice. We went full on hospice, and then she was like, "I'm sticking around. Like yes. I can eat whatever I want." <laughs> That's true, and I was. Actually kind of thinking, there were people that were like, yeah, she's never going to die. She's got it too good. Right. Um, it, so basically just kind of let it all hang out and gave her yeah. uh, access to better food and CBD yeah. treats. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she pretty much, she did pretty well. Yeah, yeah. She had great. a good, and she did live a lot longer than anyone expected. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good year and a half of just yeah. the hospice care. Wow. The hospice care was... Uh, she was having a good time. She enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, she put on some weight. <laughs> she became a fat little beagle hound. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. But it is, yeah, it's striking that, you know, that was like potentially another link to Christine, right? Yeah. This, and know. that was real. That was definitely something. 
And I remember having a sense, this is more, not something I've thought about very much. And when I put the dog down, there was a sense of moving, like it was connected to Christine's death Mm -hmm. in a weird way, both theoretically, because there was like taking someone off life support, very similar to giving another creature a Mm -hmm. drug. That right. will kill them. Right. Simple, but there was a feeling like I was moving, not moving past it. What was the feeling? It was it was a really powerful feeling that I don't know if I even had words for, but it felt like I was moving to another level mm. by not having that connection, mm. that day to day connection with uh, Christine that was there in the dog. Like yeah. It was, and it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It was like, a, this is the next chapter. Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like that makes a lot of sense to me. You know that it's, um, I don't know, a word that I thought about a lot this summer that I really love is threshold. You know, it's like it's a crossing over mm-hmm. a line. That yeah, there's something. It's just like there are significant thresholds that we cross and sometimes you know regardless of like the symbol of like you could even cross back over that threshold it's like yeah but you've changed by going through whatever that is and so I feel like Mm -hmm. yeah that's just the word that comes to mind when you're describing that is sort of just like yeah you had started to say sort of like a moving past but but I kind of feel that too right it's sort of like a a stepping into another another space of your relationship with Christine, right? Like I, and I, everyone, I think everyone has different feelings about this, but you had mentioned like you still do, you still, she's still with you in some ways. And so, yeah, it just feels like a shift of that way of relating to her. Yeah. I mean, I'm just sort of indelibly affected by the time I spent with her. Yeah. In the sense that so much, so much of me, who I am now, is based on that interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's now started like 25 years ago. Like at this point, it's mm-hmm. right. quarter century right. of my right. life, you know, like, and, and I was 30, right. 29, actually, when we first got together. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's a big part of, yeah, who you are. Right. Yeah. yeah. And there's all sorts of stuff that happened afterwards that, you know, I meet new people and, and, and um, life goes on. Mm-hmm. But there's the 18 years with somebody that's uh, always going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What is there anything like specific more that you want to share or say or bring into the conversation i mean yeah maybe there is memorial service Mm -hmm. we had a huge memorial service Mm -hmm. funerals were banned that was definitely specifically outlawed in her in her will but they didn't say anything about memorial service Mm -hmm. and uh we had a pretty big uh big shindig and it was powerful it was mm. fun. People got up and spoke. And mm. It was uh, open mic night. 
um, friends of hers from high school mm-hmm. going up and sharing amazing stories about her. It was really, it was really cool. Yeah. And I just remember being um, overwhelmed by that. Yeah. How powerful that was. And then it was over. Yeah. I mean, kind of. Kind of. Not really so much over. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that sounds like... It's not over at all. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's still right here. It's, it's over, but it's right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm struck by the parallel of you describing being in the room with her, with her two brothers, and mm-hmm. how, like, storytelling and laughter feels like something that was really important to her and who she was. And, yeah. And so how wonderful that, like, her last moments on earth got to include that. And then that's how she's remembered by writers. Yeah. Yeah. Stories. Lots of stories. Hours of stories. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. That feels like a wonderful way to commemorate a life. Right. It's by. Yeah. Yeah. It was overwhelmingly cool. And there were 150 people. They were talking about her. Hmm. Um, who had all been deeply affected by her. She was that kind of person. She was super charismatic, mm. just kind of engaged with the yeah. world in a different way. It sounds like that was helpful for you to, I don't know, actually, it's funny. As I, I'm about to say this thing, but then I'm like, it's why is that helpful for us? You know, like, why is it helpful for us to hear a bunch of stories and see a bunch of people loving this person? It's like, what? yeah, I don't, I don't know if I could put a finger on what it is that is comforting about that, like... That they lived a good life, maybe, or that they they were loved. You know, it's like proof. Yeah, that's that. a really good question. Why is that powerful? I think so much of our experience of other people is narrative. Mm. At least that's the way I remember people. Stories mm-hmm. about you know, other people that have died, people that aren't dead yet. So maybe that's why. Maybe yeah. that's how. It's the memories of these people that are important. Mm-hmm. I was desperately trying to answer your question i love it I, I think it makes a lot of sense like storytelling is how we make sense of the world and yeah. how we make sense of people in it well thank you so much for thanks for having me yeah i mean i just i i really appreciate i don't know just i guess the vulnerability in sharing so honestly about your experience and it's just it's these are hard things to talk about and they're you know they bring up grief and sadness again and sure and i feel like it's i mean it feels powerful to me to hear about it and yeah to hear about what you've how it's changed you you know that mm-hmm. feels it feels important to me so well I thanks that. yeah i think part of it is just appreciating that grief and sadness are important things to feel mm. and learning how to do it takes practice mm. I really appreciate that. It's such a good reframe of like, instead of being an unfortunate thing that we have to bear, it's like, no, it's an important thing for us to to feel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it really is. Because it's going to happen, right? You have to acknowledge it and call it out and feel it. Yeah. That's the only only way it works. (laughs) Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I um, I'm I'm glad that this uh, happened. I'm I'm yeah. honored to mm. to be.
be a part of this conversation that's so big and so important for all of us. Yeah. I just want to say one more thing, which is that I am not an expert. I'm not here to tell people how to grieve or heal or what death is or isn't. My main goal with this project is simply to create space for us to share our stories about death and dying. And from that collective experience, enable all of us to feel less alone in facing the challenges of grief and loss. Thank you for listening, for being brave and vulnerable, and for your time. Any questions or comments, please get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you and perhaps share your story too.